Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Next time you go to the supermarket, you may notice on some products what's known as a best before date stamped on the packaging. It's the date after which the food may be okay, but perhaps not at its best in terms of flavor and texture. While we, we normally don't think of other aspects of our lives as having best before dates, longevity expert Scott Fulton has developed a creative approach to apply this concept to our living environment, our health, and our well-being, indeed our overall lifespan. In today's episode, Scott, the founder and president of Home Ideations, returns to 45 Forward to offer the second of a trilogy of conversations on extending your best before date, with this chapter focusing on how the science of connectivity relates to the extension of a healthier lifespan. Of all the things we take granted when we consider factors that impact longevity, Connections are often at the top of the list. Take them away and life ceases. Scott will explore the many places where connectivity plays an important role in human longevity, from the level of microbiology, our cells, hormonal system, and neural pathways, to macro-level relationships between people and our shared biology with nature. Connections are easy to overlook, and Scott will talk about the many ways we can use them to foster a supportive environment for all of us, particularly as we get older. So now let's meet our guest, Scott Fulton. Scott, welcome back to the show. Ron, great to be back with you again. Thanks for, so much for having me. Sure, yeah. So let me just tell our, our audience that every time Scott comes back on the show, I learn many new things. So I'm always delighted to have him back. And uh, I, I just want to mention to you that uh, the first of this trilogy of Best Before uh, shows was September 26th. If you, and you can find that in our archive if you go on the Voice America uh, archive. Uh, at voiceamerica.com, my 45 forward show. Very interesting show about best before date, uh, looking at your home in terms of uh, how, as we age, uh, our home loses its uh, its value in terms of providing us what we need as we age. So there, as with many things that Scott talks about, there are things you can do about it. So that's a very interesting show if you want to you know, go back and look at that one. Now, today we're looking at the connectivity as it relates to the extension of a healthier lifespan. So the first thing I want to do is just ask you, Scott, to talk a little bit more broadly about, you know, how you view connectivity overall and how it relates to longevity. It's a, um, it was an enlightenment for me a few mm -hmm. years back to kind of take this approach to, to, to understand my, my background's engineering. So I'm, I'm not a physician. Um, so I need, I need practical things to try to help me understand how things work. And as I started to, uh, to listen and work with a few more scientists, it, the whole idea of connectivity was really starting to resonate, not necessarily what they talked about, but it's, it's, you know, it's what you and I are doing here that allows us to have a communication. Um, you know, we can talk about kind of how that works on our cell phones and those sort of things as examples that everyone can relate to. And it's really what I try to do is, is to try to try to take some of the science stuff and try to break it down into some ways to understand well, what does that mean in terms of health and what does it mean in terms of why why do I feel better today than I did yesterday? Um, you know, why might I not feel tomorrow or as good tomorrow? Um, and and then really, I think the 
the underlying theme here that we'll get to is why does it matter long term, right? When we start to think about of, of my students in classes and we talk about longevity, you know, no one likes the idea of physical disabilities, but it's nothing more than cognitive disabilities that gets people's attention. And so it's the work we're going to do now, really, that uh, that preserves that communication network that's within us. So I think that's the uh, the part of what I call connecting the dots, and it's literally the communication network that's connecting dots for us inside of our inside of our logical mind, but also inside of our uh, our physical biology that uh, that keeps things working really well for really long if we know some of the right things to do for it. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think that one of the things that interests me. You say you're not a you're not a physician, but you're an engineer. So what I like about that is your systems approach, because I think that for me is important in, in connecting the dots um, at, at a number of different levels too. Um, I think that, um, you know, we, there's been a lot of talk recently about connectivity from a perspective of, of social isolation. You know, that's been a big topic uh, with the pandemic and um, um, you know, and I think that's, that's an important one, but it, it's a little for me uh, one dimensional in terms of, a, uh, it doesn't really look at sort of the broad implications of, of you know connection on not only on social levels between humans but on you know as you know um you've done a lot of work uh looking at it at different levels you know from as i mentioned in the introduction um the macro to the micro levels and i think that's the kind of connection that i think really is intriguing about life um so um well why don't we start at the macro level that's where people usually think of it um in terms of you know human relationships and um you and i've talked about a number of different different kinds of you know connection um you know from love and attraction to the board kids and so forth and so why don't we talk a little bit about how you break that down in terms of different kinds of uh, connections sure um so let's see where, where let's kind of start with the thing that everybody understands we can use some examples maybe to sure. uh, kind of introduce the topic and um and one might be um, you know, the connections that we have as kids. Now, our memories may not be so good at that, but so I, maybe a better connection to think about is kind of love and attraction. Mm -hmm. the, the connection that happens between two people. And and I can tell you, having been single for a number of years, um, I had a list, as the engineer does, of all the <laughs> things that the right partner should have. And as I go down the list, and if, you know, top five, if you couldn't check those, there was no point in even having a conversation. <laughs> I wasn't going to take the time to go have coffee. And then, of course, realized a number of years later that that really wasn't the list that I needed after all. It was it was an approach and it was a tool. But and it's all of those other things that happen that we don't understand necessarily in kind of love and attraction communications. I continue to chase that one. I'm not going to try to speak to it any more than it's still that that myth. I think that uh, that we all work on, but um, but it's it's really it's an imprinting that happens, right? So if we think about a newborn child, mm -hmm. um, that's really when we see that start to happen, and and we make that connection. We we know that it happens even before birth in terms of uh, within the mother's womb, but it's really an imprinting that starts to happen into our into our systems and our systems thinking and our our own psychology but but what does it mean it really i think it means it's that that i matter to someone else mm -hmm. right and so that's we say the difference between isolation is particularly where the negative consequences are is that my life doesn't matter and 
I don't matter to anyone else. And so that starts down a whole spiral of, of negative consequences and negative, um, negative thoughts and negative self-talk. And then that then kind of falls into a lot of negative stress. So, so there's, you know, if we think about kind of in the big picture and we go back through evolution, um, we are pack animals or we're herds, um, mm -hmm. move in packs. And I don't mean the mule pack necessarily. Right. Um, right. but that is, like, we, we know with it. I don't think, I hope no one's disputing. <laughs> I haven't run across anybody who can dispute what food we may have eaten a few hundred thousand years ago, but, but we are designed and we evolved to work together with others, mm -hmm. um, both from a emotional standpoint, but the pure practical aspects of, um, we all have certain capacities to do a certain amount of work in any given day. And, you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down and we need sleep. And it's the, it's the exact same thing that happens if we take someone in isolation where our mind and our brain only has a certain capacity to do a certain amount of processing in a given mm -hmm. day. And it needs a certain amount of recovery time to be able to repair, reorganize the library of, of all the things that, that needed to be remembered and organized in the course of a day. And so if we try to take too much on um, with that by trying to do too much on our own and having all these negative thoughts that go along that's part of what we're remembering, right? And having mm -hmm, to sort through mm -hmm. during recovery phase, particularly so we look at REM sleep. And so that, that's kind of big picture, kind of the, the relationship thing of the positive and practical aspects, emotional uh, component, but also just in terms of brain cognition, brain function, to be able to continue to do for, for many decades. It starts to get threatened. And of course, we don't find out about it until until the uh, we, we turn around, walk around, and look and see all the rust on the other side of the car that's been facing the ocean all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the example. That was my engineering going back into my my materials and corrosion days. But, uh, right, right. So yeah, it, it's a it really is a you know the whole connectivity thing happens on so many levels, and it's I I just think it's so fascinating. The deeper you go, the more you start to understand why. What, why health exists and why disease exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good point. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, you've said before, we we take it for granted. Um, uh, I think it is important to recognize, though, that we are a species. And as you said, we developed that way. We didn't develop, uh, I'm sorry for this disenchant some people, but I, I don't think we developed as Adam and Eve, you know, and then multiplied, you know, one by one. Uh, the humanity implicit with humanity is is the group as you said the herd the pack or the herd that we that's where we are together and i think that that's something that was really emphasized during the pandemic i thought that that was brought out that the recognition of that and i think uh particularly uh since a lot of older folks found themselves isolated realized that 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 need for connectivity does, doesn't decrease with age it doesn't you know, it doesn't go away with maturity, you know, and in fact, it's, it's there and it's still there and it's still as, ne as necessary and, and as important. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, I'm a pretty optimistic person and I struggled a lot through the pandemic, but I said there will be silver linings that come out of it. And that's clearly one of them. I, I think a, um, you know, a couple of pieces of data here 
that that mm-hmm. might that might drill the drill the message home is in terms of when we think about isolation, fifty percent increase risk in dementia, thirty mm. percent increase in heart disease and stroke. Those are the kind of things that that we clearly need to be out in front of, and so so elements of of isolation are easy to fall into for some people, and if it is. The, these are these are motivations to say I, I better pay attention because that's really not what what I'm about or what I right. want to be about, mm-hmm. and um, and so so I need to work on those skills and so so yeah it's a <clears throat> isolation is um, is we don't measure it particularly well mm-hmm. and so that's partly why we see some behavior and some choices that were made and some some consequences um, clearly as a result of it uh, uh, during the pandemic but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's good to be part of a, or we say a tribe, right? mm-hmm. where we've got people around us that are providing emotional support uh, as well. And they're the, you know, as, as we, as, as one day, hopefully elders to be able to pass along information as part of our legacy, to be able to inform mm-hmm. those who come along behind us, that all happens as part of a community uh, experience. Yeah. And one of the sort of uh, ancillary issues that you and I've talked about is, um, and not just isolation, but loss of a loved one in terms of how do you deal with that kind of loss of connectivity and, and I guess what you call a sort of a connection transformation. Yeah, it's a, um, it's, it's one that is, it's very individual. I think, uh, there, you know, what, what was that experience of the loss? Like, was it someone who was dealing with cancer who finally got released from it? Um, and while mm-hmm. you miss them, you kind of, are glad not to have to see them go through that. Um, you know, the flip side, it can be loss of a you know, loss of a loved one could be a child, right? We're kind of conditioned to, we're supposed to pass before our children. And that typically is very difficult, right. um, really at any age uh, to deal with. And so, but it is, um, it is one of those periods of time where we are likely to go through some major transformation and some reset. And we've got to find that next connection the next group, person or people to connect with. And so it could be a you know, loss of a partner and, you know, and you, you have no real interest or that's not, doesn't mean you have to replace the partner, the, the partner community piece could be replaced by, you know, your local community working with kids, you know, being part of some other groups that you didn't really have time for before, perhaps. Um, yeah. And particularly if you've been a caregiver, right. Um, that is just, that just takes up all the time in the world to be able to keep up with things that you used to do, let alone the new things. So it's a big demarcation for people and big challenge, but it also presents really some, some new opportunities at the same time. Yeah. I think one of the things is that um, these losses sort of take us by surprise. They they shouldn't, but we, you know, we, you know, in, in some ways it's good that you're living day to day, you're living in the present, but um, to think about that these are things that are inevitably, you know, part of life and that as we get older, um, there there are natural losses. I mean, there there are some that are, you know, with uh, spouses um, and loved ones, but there are also sort of natural um, uh, transitions of, you know, your kids move away, um, people, your friends retire, they, they move away. Um, you, you no longer, you, you retire from your traditional work. So I think people need to think a little bit ahead about, you know, that these are transitions that are going to happen one way or the other. 
and to, they need to think a little bit ahead about well uh the connectivity remains essential to you so you need to as you mentioned earlier you need to think about ways to replace that connectivity and, and transition yeah it's it's just that i think it's a constant practice right like everything right practice it in as many ways as you can and not be reliant on any one I'll just use the cell phone. Somebody takes away your cell phone and suddenly you can't talk to the world. Right? <laughs> so you want to have as many channels of communication going because, and we're designed to do that. That's very natural. So, so consciously doing that, I think is really helpful. Yeah. I, I had a little bit of experience about recently, Scott, that I didn't realize how um, singular I'd become in that capacity where I was going off to a meeting for a couple of days and realized on the train that I actually left my cell phone home. <laughs> wow like, yeah 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 and i was like whoa and and realizing that we need to create new dimensions because I, I not only when i got to the location where i was i couldn't text my wife or my family but there were there were even there were no phones in the office <laughs> everybody right. had a right. cell phone so that uh you know we need to we need to diversify our our approaches to to connectivity somewhat um well, the fact that you got to your destination without your phone, I think, is 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 perhaps a modern miracle. Congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> well, you know, as they say, necessity. It's like, okay, this is where I am. Um, you know, remember years ago, it, it does, it's not that long ago when, when you realized we didn't have cell phones. So if you were going somewhere and you were stuck in traffic, there's really no way to, to communicate with someone that you're going to be late. You know, you just had yeah. to kind of you know, surmise what, what well, might, the flip might... side was there on, on the communication piece, there was no expectation that, that you were going to call or, you know, that you had the ability to call through, you know, I'm 15 minutes out or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the communication will continue to change, right. In terms of our expectations. And I think we're, I, I would say we're still in the very, very early days of cellular communication, what we describe as communication today. Right. Um, I think right. we're still in for some big changes. Yeah. Well, transitioning to another kind of cellular communication, <laughs> you know, you and I have talked about on, on a sort of micro level, this interesting connectivity in our body, cell to cell communication that we don't really think about that much, but is as essential to our functioning and our longevity as anything. So um, we may have to end up, you know, in our, in our break, but I wanted to get started at least in talking about this uh, notion of um, cellular communication yeah it's a um so I'll, I'll try to use a quick example here before the okay. break um just to kind of help uh give some context or, or a metaphor for it so if we have our cell phone and we're having you know we're getting on the on the edge of signal and we start to lose signal um and we we naturally start to fill in the words and so so we're we start to guess right as as, mm -hmm. as signals drop out and the further away we go and the more dropout there is or it's a cloudy day the more we find ourselves filling the gaps in well that's really the same thing that starts to happen within cell, cell to cell communications within the body mm -hmm. um, and aging is essentially a a a breakdown in communication and we start to make poor and or having to make more and more guesses Mm. around what what is that cell trying to tell me oh i think it's meaning this and then that happens even when cell starts to to divide and mm -hmm. replicate it starts to get more and more errors and and that's so, so we can just think about it as the cell phone and the signal is starting to get weak and what am i going to do well 
chances are we're going to start to move to somewhere where there's a signal. Say, hang on, I think I can get to a better signal. So maybe after the break, we'll talk about coming to coming up to getting a better signal. And that's something that, that we all understand, at least conceptually, how to do. And I think we can, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go in that direction and okay. not get too technical. Okay, good. All right. So listen, uh, folks, uh, we are going to take a short break now. But when we come back, we'll be talking much more with longevity expert Scott Fulton. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with longevity expert Scott Fulton, the founder of Home Ideations, the Longevity Advantage, and Wealthspan. Uh, now, before we uh, move on with Scott, I just wanted to mention that... Um, uh, you can find out much more about him by looking at his websites. He's got um, longevityadvantage.com, uh, Wealthspan, that's W-H-E-A-L-T-H, like Wealthspan.com, um, and and his uh, website, homeideations.com. So um, uh, check them out, and you can find out much more. You can see a lot about him, what he blogs about. Fascinating stuff. So before the break, um, we were talking about, um, you know, cells that we, we – transitions seamlessly from cell phone communication into cell to cell communication uh, in our bodies. And so Scott was talking about sort of the importance of that kind of connection and, and how um, when that connection starts to fray as we get older, how we can find alternatives to make that uh, function better. Yeah. So, so it was really kind of, if we maybe help people explain just how advanced our communication systems are within us, Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of quickly touch on three totally different systems just to okay. give you um, some ideas. So one would be a simple one would be food, right? So when we eat, whether you eat a piece of broccoli or whatever you're going to be eating, piece of bread, um, our body has no, in terms of our muscles, which we're ultimately going to use for energy to go do whatever we're going to do for the rest of the day to burn those calories off that we ate, um, our our muscles have no idea what to do with a, with a carrot or a, a 
piece of broccoli or a piece of bread, right. right? There's a chemical process that happens to be able to break that down into eventually go through a series of steps to get to ATP, which is a chemical that our body actually burns. Mm -hmm. So that's the fuel that our body burns. And so all of that is a signaling process, which is governed by the food that we eat in terms of how the signals work. It Does it know if it's a protein? Does it? How does it know if it's a fat? How, how does it know if it's a carbohydrate? It's going to behave differently based on those macronutrients that come in. And so that's just the food system that goes through. And I, I won't go too more into that one. The other one, which people have probably heard something about is redox signaling. Mm-hmm. And so that's a... A way to describe that one is is kind of the the rust or oxidation of the cells within our body, and so we know that if we see a piece of steel and we all have seen them around and old or a car starts to get rust on it, that's an oxidation exercise. Um, and so so what happens in our cells when they start to oxidize that damages the cells because the cell has a certain number of electrons um, mm-hmm. within around its nucleus. And it wants to maintain that balance well to get stressors on it that start to steal electrons. And in the course of doing that, that stresses the cell. And so while our bodies are certainly expecting a certain amount of that stress, um, lifestyle habits, including lack of exercise, um, lack of quality nutrients, all tend to elevate the level of redox chemistry that's going on. So we start to lose more electrons from our cells. And so they Mm. start to oxidize and get rusty, if you will. And so that's why we want to introduce antioxidants in. And what the antioxidants do is essentially provide free electrons back to those cells to make them healthy. So the example I use for this is the bucket brigade. Mm. So so if I gave you, Ron, a bucket, so I got a fire going over there, big fire, and I'm going to give you one bucket, and there's all the water you want, but you only get one bucket, and it's it's 100 feet between where the water is and the fire is. Um, you've got to somehow put that fire out. And the reality is, of course, the fire is probably going to burn faster than you can run back and forth with your bucket of water. Right. Now, if instead, I, you know, I'll come in and I'll bring, I'll bring 100 of my friends, and we'll all get in line, and we'll all now each bring our bucket with us, and we'll have those buckets one after another continue to roll through. So we're like the available electrons. And so naturally, um, we're providing support without having to do anything more than just provide electrons that are freely available to your cells. And so that's really, mm-hmm. when we talk about antioxidants, that's really we're just providing um, electrons to balance out. And then the other one, which I think is the more interesting one of all of these is really our hormonal systems. And so our Mm -hmm. hormones are well over a hundred hormones. A lot of them, we don't know what they do very well at all. There's a few that everyone knows, knows about like dopamine, serotonin and things. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are really the, the, the systems that really run our body. That's really when we talk about the signaling that happens, it's really our hormones that are releasing proteins, comparing, uh, communicating or transferring messages um, throughout the body. So, so that is broken into four different ways of, of that communication system. Mm-hmm. So one is what we call the autocrine system. And that's really, how do I identify myself? So it, so every cell needs to be reminded of who I am. You know, I go look in the mirror every day. And it reminds me who I am. Mm-hmm. I have to look at my license if I forget. Um, there's the, a gap junction connection, which is essentially adjacent cells that are literally t- touching one another. They're passing information back and forth. 
all the time around, I think you should do this and I think you should do that. Um, there's the paracrine system, um, which is really associated with cells that are nearby. And then there's the endocrine system, which is really um, the broader spectrum. So if I use an example here that, that tries to tries to explain this. The one I like to use is, so Ron, you're in elementary school, you're in grade three, and you're mm -hmm. sitting in the classroom in the morning. Um, and so you're going to do the check, am I in class? Am I here on time? Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the self. So Ron is here. He's he's present. He, he, he can confirm that when he looks around, he's in the class. You're going to check your, your pocket because you know you're going to need a pencil to write with today. And so you're checking that adjacent cell that, that's in your pocket, which is a pencil. Yep, got the, got the pencil. I got it in my hand. I'm ready to use it. Um, you're going to lean across to Billy next door to you or in the next aisle over and say, Billy, you want to play uh, ball at lunch? And Billy, so you'll communicate. So that's the paracrine system. And then the endocrine system will be the PA comes on in the announcements and Ron Royal needed it to the principal's office right now. Mm. Right. So it's broadcast that to the whole body all at once but it's only Ron who knows what to do with that message. And so Ron's going to respond. So all these different layers of messages are going on within the systems and say, this is the system that we understand the least. Mm. And it's really the one that when we start to understand better, will we have a far better understanding of aging and really how to, how to really start to dial in our own best before date to kind of keep our health uh, as mm. healthy as long as we can. So, so those are really the, the, the main ones, but it's really, I think the, the hormonal systems, we know something about when we go through, through uh, menopause and some other periods in, in life, when we go through um, puberty, these are all driven by hormones. And mm -hmm. so it's a really, really powerful, complex system. So what happens then? I mean, I, I guess one of the issues is uh, the implications of when the systems break down, when the communication breaks down in the system and uh, the consequences of that what are what are some of the consequences i mean we talked about we mentioned briefly about you know dementia um i'm sure there are others like addiction and so forth um but what what are some of the the, the consequences of of our communication systems breaking down and... yeah so so it's any number of them right so mm -hmm. so generally we can think about neurodegenerative diseases mm -hmm. uh, so these would be things like um like alzheimer's dementia Parkinson's, mm -hmm. um, right? So, so just look at and, um, those would be kind of some of the more obvious ones. When I say obvious, because they've changed so much, the mm -hmm. rates of those have changed. And I think that's what I always try to impress on people of there's certain things that haven't changed and you can trust, but there's other things that have. So one of them is the death rate from Alzheimer's has doubled in the last 20 years. Mm. So so something's changed, right? This is the rate has doubled, not just the number of people, the rate has doubled. The number of park, people getting Parkinson's now has doubled in the last 25 years. Hmm. Significant change going on there. And, and those are devastating diseases. And so they, they essentially bring the whole system down when, when they start to, uh, to fail. And so, and of course, the worse the system gets, the more failures it gets, kind of like the signal, the further you get away from that signal, the more you're guessing and the more mistakes you're going to make. And so the body's functions start to break down right. um, because it doesn't know how to get back to. And that's where we try to talk about. So how would you get back to a stronger signal? Um, and it's really a question of, of how do we restore 
or maintain the healthy balances. And so, so we can do a number of things uh, that will help with that. Nothing, nothing will have a bigger impact than exercise. Kind of, kind of. We'll wait till the end here to get you to the punchline. Okay. Diet. Good. All these, all these other things are good. Nothing will compare to exercise, and that's partly because of it helps to maintain master regulators. We'll talk about those in a, in a minute. Yeah. And it also helps with sleep. And so I talked about earlier about REM sleep. That's REM sleep is the restoration phase. That's the cleanup. And so if we don't, if we don't get good sleep, we don't ever get things cleaned up to get started on the next day. And so, so if, uh, I'll just use um, Alzheimer's for example. Mm -hmm. And and so and so we know that um, we know that amyloid plaque is a, associated with Alzheimer's, and that was you for a long time thought to be okay. That's we'll stop amyloid plaque. Well. We know now that we all produce amyloid plaque every day. The problem is more if you don't clean it out during sleep, mm. you start to get the accumulation. I'm oversimplifying this and everything I'm going to talk about in, in the time we have, but but in general, it's this it's this exercise being active and then the good good sleep hygiene, we call it, where you get the restorative and repair functions starting to work. Um, so that's this kind of what we call about the homeostasis of life being in balance and hormones trying to get our hormones in balance is is more it can be more elusive but in reality most of us don't need to understand we just need to trust that we really need to to keep active uh, keep our brains active keep our our bodies physically active and the body knows what to do mm -hmm. it's when we don't do the things and we expect a different result uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it's I'm sorry right. but it's not going not going to work out and uh you know, medications will help with some of the gaps there for sure, but they're not going to make up for the things that, that we all know that we should do. We just sometimes need a little bit more motivation. So I don't yeah. like to use the uh, the negative scare tactics, but those would be the things that, you know, just, just to be aware of, this would be a reason to stay cognitively active, right. uh, which is part of obviously kind of being, being joyful in life right. and being engaged. And so, yeah. so there's, yeah. there's lots of good reasons. Yeah. Um, Yes, I, I flipping the uh, that that old saying about you know not doing something over and over again and expecting different results. It's like you know you're not going to get that. And uh, what you mentioned about exercise, I think uh, resonates with me. I, I you know do a, another um, presentation regularly for the Alzheimer's Association about healthy living for your uh, your brain and body. And what you know the the takeaway there is exactly what you said. They said, well, there's there are many components that factors that contribute. Um, there is diet. There's cognitive development, you know, stimulation, social engagement. Uh, but the takeaway really is uh, that they say if there's one thing that overshadows everything else in terms of impact, it's exercise, regular exercise. And um, I didn't realize that you know just the how much the uh, the of a brain body brain heart connection there is in terms of uh, just the amount of blood that the, the brain needs a quarter of uh, every heartbeat goes to your brain um and so the 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 impact of that of, of having a, a system that can deliver that and a healthy system that can deliver that is really you know critical you know and to to an extent that i hadn't realized before so what you're saying about the transformative aspect of exercise i think is really important for people to you know, to, you know, that your, your body is made for activity. And um, unfortunately, you know, we've, uh, 
developed this, you know, a, a technological approach to society and our jobs and our lifestyle, which leads us to um, higher level, supposedly jobs or jobs that were sedentary, <laughs> the worst thing for us, you know. Um, but uh, so that's we have to kind of go against, uh, you know, go, you know, roll back some of these, you know, previous uh, tendencies in society. Yeah, yeah, it's just trying to figure out what to do with your options that you have, and um, and I think if if we talk about exercise, I'll, I'll kind of give a plug for again one of those things that we kind of let go of for some reason. It's dance. Mm. D -d dance is if you wanted to say what's the best exercise I should do, it's it's really dance, um, partly and dancing with others. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's really three re three reasons why that are that make dance unique. Is one is Cognitively, it keeps you much more engaged because you're moving in 3D space with others, mm. right? You can't just, you know, go down the dance floor and you got to run into people or step on your partner's toes. Um, so that, that's one. So it really exercises the mind. But at the same time, you're getting an aerobic exercise or a vascular exercise, mm -hmm. uh, which is good to get the heart rate up. And then the third is you're getting some strength and balance training while you're doing it. And those three are make dance very unique. And so if a, um, you said there's one thing, if, if you like to dance and that was the thing you weren't doing, say, well, boy, you know, my wife tells me I shouldn't dance uh, and I'm willing to take her word for it. But, <laughs> but maybe I'll start dancing more anyway. Just, you know, keep your distance from me if you see me on the dance floor. <laughs> well, my wife uh, uh, on the other side is always uh, trying to get me out of the dance floor, which I enjoy doing. And I, I certainly think it's, it is something that's uh, really, uh, and, and it, it it also engages us socially, and, you know. So there's a certain element of interaction and joy to it, hopefully, anyway. Um, so uh, we're gonna another take another quick break, folks. Um, but don't go anywhere. We have one uh, more uh, terrific section coming up with Scott Fulton, our longevity expert. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. 
From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with longevity expert Scott Fulton uh, about uh, connectivity and how this contributes to extending our lifespan in a healthier way. Uh, before the break, we were talking about exercise, specifically you know, uh, the uh, notion that if you have to pick one exercise, one of the best ones is dance, which we've sort of lost track of in our uh, society in terms of we like some people dance, some people don't. And it's less of a community activity, but it's worth bringing back. So, but I wanted Scott to talk a little bit more about the transformative role of exercise and how it sort of works with all our systems. So, why don't we pick up there, Scott? Sure, Ron. Um, yeah, it's a, and and when we, you know, I I give dance as kind of the ultimate. It doesn't really matter whether dance is your thing or you know. I always tell everybody, do as many possible things as you as you can imagine, and keep trying new things. Just because you didn't like doing something 25 years ago doesn't mean you won't like doing it today. Um, just because you never tried something doesn't mean you won't like it. You know, somebody's asked me the other day about pickleball, right? It's kind of oh, right. taken yeah. on, on a big wave. And usually when you see things like that happen, there's a good reason for it. So that's another example of, you know, has all the social aspects of it too. So so, so there's kind of those things that we we know about, but there's always, you know, I think on the system side of it is like, but but what's really going on mm-hmm. in the exercise, right? Like, so like, is this just, you're telling me this because I'm supposed to believe it? Well, the, the answer is absolutely. There's lots going on on the system side that, that, and they aren't things that we typically measure when we go in for a physical, but we know absolutely happen because of you know, thousands and thousands of studies that are too, uh, are too difficult to make the evening news. Mm. So, so I break it down to what what, what uh, I think my colleagues would generally describe as as the master regulators. Right? So mm. we talked about the endocrine system as being a, a system regulator to keep everything functioning normally. In reality, what we're talking about is multiple chemical systems running in our body. So they're very complicated plants, uh, chemical plants that our bodies mm. are, are operating. Um, lots of things coming in, lots of things going out in the course of a day, and not just what goes in our mouth and and out the the other end later. You know, we're exchanging with the world around us every second of every day. So when we think about exercise, there's really five master regulators uh, to focus on. And these are all things that we can measure uh, very reliably. First one being NRF2. NRF2 is what I describe as it's the master regulator. It's the it's the one in charge of the immune system. Hmm. I used to talk about this one before. People lean forward a lot more now since COVID. Huh. <laughs> and since now everybody's an immune system's expert. So so NRF2 is kind of the the chief. It's deciding, um, is it is is it 
the, the system that's looking for the front line in terms of you know, to try to fend off um, pathogens that maybe want to get into the body, or is it more or the ones that get through? It's calling out for the SEAL team uh, immune uh, system to go out and go attack a specific uh, area of the body that has something to deal with. So right. we know that exercise helps maintain those levels of NRF2 naturally. Don't need to do mm. anything else. Just exercise and it happens. Um, NAD is really, that's what controls our signaling and gene expression. So there again, you think about the cell phone signal. Every time I'm going to replicate a cell and create mm -hmm. and divide and create new cells, which happens many, many times over a lifetime. It happens millions of times a day in your body. The more stable that system is, the more likely it's going to create the exact same copy of the cell it started with and have fewer errors to have to try to repair um, during the nighttime. Uh, next one is nitric oxide. Uh, nitric oxide does a whole list of things, but one of them it does is to help keep blood pressure down by dilating the blood vessels when you exercise. So when you, as soon as you start to exercise, instead of your blood pressure going through the roof, Nitric, your your arteries start to release nitric oxide, which causes them to relax and dilate, and which helps to regulate your blood pressure during exercise. It will go up, which is okay while you're exercising because it's exercising the blood vessel, but it's naturally going to to relax and then come down. So that's and happens with good food as well. Um, glutathione is the master antioxidant. So for all the foods, you know, you think you eat blueberries and all these other things. Ultimately, it's glutathione is what you're helping that chemical to, to produce. We talked about the bucket brigade that keeps everybody engaged saying, right. okay, you guys are all close to help. Um, uh, mitochondria is really, that's the energy plants inside of every particular in your muscle cells. That's where your energy comes from. That's where it actually gets turned into something that allows you to function every day. And so it's really those five that are really the ones that, that exercise helps every one of those stay at higher levels than they would be by a sedentary level. And when we talk about, you know, feeling younger, when you exercise, you literally will be at younger levels of those master regulators than you were before you started. So it's a, it, it's, um, you know, those are all things people can research if they want to get into more, right. more understanding, but, but this notion of exercise being helpful immediately. And that's why essentially that's why we stay physically and cognitively younger, longer when we exercise every day. Right. That's great. That's a very interesting explanation. Never thought about it with that kind of texture and, and con connectivity of all those systems, you know, just like, well, you know, we just boiled down to, well, exercise is good for you. Yeah. But <laughs> this gives a real sense of why it's good for you. And uh, this notion of a master regulator, I think that's an important notion. So I appreciate hearing that. So, um, um, so, uh, in, in the last few minutes, I just wanted to, uh, also take a step back and widen the lens a little bit and, and talk about the, um, uh, you know, the connectivity from a, a, a level of, you know, how we share our biology with, with nature and, and sort of our, our larger system. Um, so I wonder if you could talk about that, about how we can reconnect with nature and what that connectivity means. Sure. And so I'll go back and kind of remind everybody, this is coming from an engineer's lens, not a, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't spent any, any time out in Greenpeace out on any mm. ships in the oceans or anything, not to, you know, not to make light of it, but I'm coming at it purely from the science um, side of it. And it's really a, you know, of things that I've come to, to appreciate, which I right. did not know in my formal training 
is really genetically how much you and I are like the trees and the bushes that I'm looking at outside my window. We are dramatically similar. Mm -hmm. We tend to think, you know, while we're like the, the apes, well, reality is, yes, we're most like them, but we're also a whole lot like everything else around us. And so when you start to understand the biology of just a plant and why, why does a plant thrive and why doesn't it thrive? Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't really be all that surprised that a lot of the same things that helps the planet um, is also good for humans from a from a absolute biology standpoint. Mm -hmm. We we need the same things, and so so when we think we're 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 damaging one and not having a consequence to the other, um, but clearly we need plants a lot more than they need us. Mm. <laughs> so let's be clear about that. Um, <laughs> And in the grand scheme of it, while our while our footprint is big, we are relatively small in the grand scheme of the ecosystem. You know, if humans dropped off the face of the earth, you know, tomorrow, not much would change. Mm -hmm. right? The system, you know, the systems that are there would naturally readjust, rebalance, and within you know, my my oldest son is a uh, is a history professor, archaeologist, and you know, mm -hmm. goes back and looks at things from thousands of years ago and. Yeah, if you look hard enough, you can find traces of it. But those were all made with stone and marble. Um, and most of what we do today won't last anywhere near as long as what the Greeks did. But it really does start to get to you. What I try to talk to people about is um, is step back for a minute and think about, are you going with the crowd or are you going with the flow of nature? Mm -hmm. Just because you're walking down a busy sidewalk with a thousand other people doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. Doesn't mean you're not. But you really want to kind of stop and, and say, am I working with nature in my food choices and in mm -hmm. my behaviors? Because ultimately, working with nature will result in a lot less effort required to get the same thing done. Mm. And whether you want to call yourself an environmentalist or not, I don't. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, I'm just interested in, in how do I produce a healthy body that's going to stay healthy for as long as possible. It's become right. pretty clear is don't waste energy fighting nature. Yeah. to work with her she's uh you know she, that's how we were brought up in the system we were involved evolved in the system right to work with it not against it so yeah um, yeah i yeah. think that's it's important to, to to really think about that um i even uh think about you know the, the distinction between uh you know talking about the environmental movement um which i don't uh i i agree with the basic uh you know ob objectives but and maybe it seems like a semantic difference, but I'd like to talk about it from an ecological perspective versus an environmental one, because environmentally still keeps us in the same paradigm. It's like we're at the center and everything else is the environment around us, which is not really what's happening. And I think people uh, consciously or unconsciously when they're, they're talking about things, they, they now that the term has become very current, talking about the ecosystem of this or that, you know, it could be the ecosystem business or something. But but I think it is, you know, a good distinction to, to recognize the relationships and the connections between us all, you know, and, and the, the nature. And um, uh, I think it's important that exactly what you said, not to fight these sorts of things, but that we're part of it. And the more we recognize that in spite of our ego, <laughs> humanistic ego, you know, the healthier we'll be and the longer we'll live healthier lives. Um, 
So there's lots more to talk about, but uh, unfortunately, we're coming to the close. So I wanted to give a little bit of time, Scott, for people to, uh, first of all, to thank you for another, you know, very informative show. Uh, also to um, let people know um, uh, if they missed today's uh, conversation, you can listen to it again um, uh, by going to voiceamerica.com and clicking on the 45 forward show and you can see it in the archive. Um, it comes up as a podcast after today or go to um, my website, rowellresources.com and click on 45 forward. And now, Scott, if people wanted to get in touch with you to continue the conversation, really want to form, find out more about your programs um, uh, or your upcoming podcasts, uh, how would they get in touch with you? How could they, con how could they connect with you? Probably for this type of topic um, through longevityadvantage.com. Mm -hmm. That's really the education platform um, that I try to use for a lot of this information and for talks I give to groups. Um, that's primarily through the WealthSpan um, site, but but longevity, it, 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 different ways to find me. Um, and and they can certainly, uh, I'm not hard to find for if, they, if you go there, put, put it that way. They, yeah. they want to find you they can connect so good i'm glad to hear yeah. that um yeah I'm, I'm not not a tough guy to find right right so uh, uh in addition to so we have an up another show coming up with scott um february 20th uh which will be the the uh the third ask the third leg of our trilogy about um best before dates uh and uh on february 14th by the way um scott and i are going to be in another podcast um with um uh uh, it's uh, it's called it'll be called the heart of longevity, uh, and it's with um, an organization called Coming of Age. Uh, and I will um, let you know. Uh, you can go to my website. We don't have a link for it yet, but if you go to the link to uh, Scott Show on my website, I'll have a link for you within uh, by the end of the week, so you we can find out more about that. Um, so um, once again, folks. Um, uh, you can search for my show also on uh, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Heart Radio. Uh, if you want to send comments to me or questions or suggestions, you can email me at roelron.roel at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be talking with Eileen Karina, a passionate passion, a patient safety advocate, about her decades of personal experience at the bedside of patients speaking to families, having candid conversations with people who want to make the healthcare system better and safer as a, as a patient advocate for everybody. So then, folks, uh, until then, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week. <laughs>